0: In 1943, the following directive was issued from party headquarters to all communists in the United States. It read, When certain obstructionists become too irritating, label them, after suitable buildups as fascist, or Nazi, or anti-Semitic, and use the prestige of anti-fascist intolerance organizations to discredit them. In the public mind, constantly associate those who oppose us With those names which already have a bad smell, the association will, after enough repetition, become fact in the public mind.
1: Highnesses, Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, a very, very good morning on what is the first official day of World Government Summit here at Dubai Expo 2020. And the title of this session, are we ready for a new world order? A lot of people would like to see that there, there are two orders in this world. This is a huge mistake. Even for both the US and China, we need a single global order. Of course, if we look at all the
0: challenges, we can speak about the multi-crisis. Economic, political, social, and ecological, and institutional crisis. But actually, what we have to confront is a deep, systemic, and structural restructuring of our world. And this will take some time. And the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process.
2: everybody along. I hope you're doing well. It is the Midweek Edition and I am your host this week. Let's get some things out of the way real quick. First, we have a couple of conferences that we're going to talk about in today's episode. Actually, three. And they're all saying the same thing. The problem is you're not supposed to notice. We're not supposed to notice that they're talking about these things. And if you do notice, then you're a conspiracy theorist, even though they said it. We'll get into all of that, and I've got some news stories coming your way. Want to thank FringeRadioNetwork.com for carrying our program, as always, and NWczRadio.com channel one. Email us down the Rh at protonmail.com. As I record this, it's Thanksgiving Eve, and so if you're in America, I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving, and I hope you have a wonderful day and you fill yourself adequately. (laughs) Let's get into what is going on here, because there supposedly is no coming new world order. That's what we've been told, even though there have been for decades books written about it. People have spoken out about it. Proof has come out about it. And yet, time and time again, when you talk about it, You are labeled a conspiracy theorist or a liar or any manner of names to discredit you. So let's look at these three conferences that have just happened and contrast and compare and see where this all lands. First up, we're going to go to the World Government Summit. This happened March 29th through 30th. It was in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. And this is a large event. It brings together global leaders from all over the world, experts. You know the drill. This is the same thing as the World Economic Forum. It's the same thing as the Climate Change Forums. It's the same thing. They all fly in, they sit around, and they discuss shaping the world. Well, the World Government Summit tweeted this out on March 30th, 2022. It is a video. It's a minute and 18 seconds. And the headline of the tweet says, take action here and now to shape an inclusive and prosperous future for humanity and the planet at the World Government Summit. The name of the video clip, and I'm going to put this in the show notes, I encourage you to watch it. The name of the video is titled The New World Order. Let's listen to it. There's no longer any doubt that humans are heating up the oceans, land and sea by burning fossil fuels.
0: The world has to overcome not only the damage done to our economies and our societies by COVID-19, it also has to confront the repercussions
2: showing graphics about distance learning and how vaccines can now be made in just 100 days how exciting that is says there's no plan B the speed of change is bigger than we expect and then it says the new world order
1: I see a future where the internet is available for free for everyone and that means the location of power is going to shift. Decentralization of power structures everywhere may be the beginning of that shift in finance, in political power.
0: We have to uphold our responsibility, which we have towards the next generation.
2: Only then can we construct the new world order, and and then it ends. I'm going to put this in the show notes. I know it's tough because you're listening to it and you're not watching it. I I highly recommend you watch this. It's from them. It's not somebody posting a video about the event. It's from the World Government Summit themselves. So let's look at this. If you go to their webpage, World Government Summit, it has on their, their agenda... And I encourage you to go through that. But I thought the more interesting part were the themes. And it says, the agenda will focus on shaping a better humanity and will highlight eight main themes. So let's go through a few of these. First of all, it says, building cities of the future. Yes. According to them, in a rapidly urbanizing world, 70% of the world population will live in cities by 2050 and the way cities are designed and operate will define the path to sustainability, of course, based on decisions made towards smart infrastructure, transportation systems, energy and production, and consumption, waste management, and citizens' engagement as partners in driving change. Smart infrastructure, transportation, energy and production, consumption, and citizen engagement. This is the city of the future, and we've talked about this many times. This is the controlled city of the future where they will decide when and where you get to go, what you get to eat. You're hooked up to everything with the smart infrastructure. They are watching you, keeping some sort of social credit score system on you. This is what they're aiming towards. and According to them, 70% of the world's population will live in cities by 2050, so they're getting ready for that. Also on the docket is Actioning Sustainability for Positive Impact. And of course, this is uh, all about climate change. And I thought this was interesting. It says, youth are lobbying for a change, yet progress on curbing global emissions has reached a standstill. Are youth really lobbying for a change? It seems to me they're just throwing food at paintings and gluing themselves to places. I don't call that lobbying. According to this it says successful climate action is needed that builds scalable partnerships and incentivizes the advancement and adoption of renewable energy and new technologies and most importantly social responsibility. That's you and me. So they want to advance of course all these new te- new technologies but the truly important part is you and I adapting to it just accepting it. Don't ask questions. Just follow along. Another one is empowering societal resilience. According to this, the fraying of social fabric is increasingly exasperated by inequality, the spread of fake news on digital platforms, as well as the rise of populism, intolerance, and extremism. Governments must lead the way with better regulation and foster global dialogue On Human Values, Identity, Faith, Culture, Arts, Sports, and Peace. Are you catching a theme here? Every aspect of your life, from where you live, how you travel, what you eat, what your interests are, where you go to church, what you do for exercise, all of it is being re-examine, re-evaluated as to how they can control it. There's also this one, the designing the future of healthcare systems. Next generation healthcare driven by digitalization, artificial intelligence and mobile connectivity will transform public health. And we'll get into exactly what that means in a moment here. According to this global collaboration, and the responsible use of health data will accelerate leaps in medical research, healthcare provisions, and accessibility. So I've talked about many, many times how data is king. And that is exactly why they want to track you, trace you. They want you hooked to the Internet of things. They want you hooked up to the Internet. They want all of your data. And when they talk about accessibility, healthcare provision, and revolutionizing healthcare systems, we've already talked about that on past episodes where they're creating these pills that talk to the doctors, they have trackers, they have tracers, they know if you've taken them when you haven't. And all of this stuff is, once again, an invasion of our personal sovereignty, our body, our choices, They don't like that, your freedom is the problem, and they have to figure out, in every single aspect of our lives, how to to transform it, that's what they're talking about. And this was my favorite. Policies that drive progress and government development. And it starts off with a phrase that we have talked about many, many times on here. I've played clips of pretty much every world leader uttering this phrase. This is the first sentence. Building back better and preparing for unprecedented times in the age of interdependent demands, a new blueprint for governments, at the heart of which are policies that enable innovative use of technology and new modes of collaboration. Governments will be increasingly mobile, serving as a platform that brings different ideas, resources, and actors together to drive progress." So, governments are going to bring actors together. It's going to be a mobile government. They're going to creatively and use this new innovation of technology and modes of collaboration. Well, of course, it's a one world government. And they're not hiding the ball at all. And this is all on their webpage. And I will put this in the link as well. And I really encourage you to go through. You can actually watch the uh, pretty much highlights of the entire summit. It takes about seven hours, which I don't recommend because it drags on. It's boring. It's, It's the same routine. It's all the betters. It's all the powerful people. It's all these primarily unelected technocrats getting together and expanding their brains to control us. Also, we had the G20 summit. And the G20 summit took place in Bali. It took place earlier this month, November 15th, 16th. I think it maybe went into the 17th. And there's a tons in this as well. All the usual suspects were there. Klaus Schwab made an appearance. Klaus Schwab was at the World Government summit. Why not? Why wouldn't he be? He views himself as the architect of all this stuff. The most interesting thing I think that came out of this summit is this G20 Bali Leaders Declaration. And I'm going to put the PDF in the show notes, and I encourage you to truly go through the entire thing. It's frightening. And all the leaders pretty much of the world, including the United States, Canada, Australia, England, you name it. They've signed on to this as, yes, we agree. And it's pretty long, maybe 20 pages. However, I want to zero in on this aspect because you thought COVID was over and we were kind of back to normal. Nope. Think again. In section 23, It says we recognize the need for strengthening local and regional health product manufacturing capacities and cooperation as well as sustainable goal and regional research and development. And then we skip down. It says we acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of the IHR to facilitate seamless international travel. Inoperability and recognize digital solutions and non digital solutions, including proof of vaccinations. We support continued international dialogue and collaboration on the establishment of trusted global digital health networks as part of the efforts to strengthen prevention and response to future pandemics that should capitalize and build on the success of the existing standards and digital COVID 19 certificates. And to explain that a little better, in his own words, this is Bundy Sadekin. And if you look up who Bundy Sadekin is, well, all you have to do is go to the World Economic Forum page. He's listed there. He's the Minister of Health in Indonesia. And he had this to say about it. So let's have a digital health certificate acknowledged by WHO. If
0: you have been vaccinated or tested properly, then you can move around. So for the next pandemic, instead of stopping the movement of the people 100%, which clogged the economy globally, you know, you can still provide some movement of the people. Indonesia has achieved, G20 country has agreed to have this digital certificate using WHO standard, and we will submit into the next the World Health Assembly in Geneva as the revision to international health regulation. So hopefully for the next pandemic, we can still see some movement of the people, some movement of the goods and movement of the economy.
2: Yeah, so they're calling for a a digital passport, digital vaccine passport. You're not vaccinated. You're not hooked up to the internet of things. You're not hooked up. You're not logged in. You're not up to date on your vaccines. They're calling for you to not be able to travel. We are not past this. They will never let this go. They have found a new way to control, and they are going to continue using it. I said Klaus Schwab showed up, he did, and this is what he had to say.
0: Of course, if you look at all the challenges, we can speak about the multi crisis economic, a political, a social, and ecological an institutional crisis, but actually what we have to confront is a deep systemic and structural restructuring of our world, and this will take some time, and the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process.
2: Yeah, so the world's going to look different. We have to go through this transition process. We have to reshape everything. We have to go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Now, the good news in that clip right there is that he said it's going to take some time, which tells me we have time to fight it all. And people can call me a conspiracy theorist. They can call me a kook. They can call me a nut. They can call me whatever they want. I will never sign up for any of this nonsense. If 70% of all people truly are living in a city, by 2050, I will be part of the 30% that is not. There are plenty of attempts right now at building alternate economies, and I plan to be part of that. Now let's go back to the World Government Summit for a moment, where they were specifically talking about, and they used the word, New World Order, which we're not supposed to do. Well, Before we get to that, Let's, uh, let's take a look at the APEX summit. This was November 19th, 2022, to go along with the theme of things. So this is the third event <laughs> within months of them saying this very same thing. This is Macron, Prime Minister of France.
1: A lot of people would like to see there, there are two orders in this world. This is a huge mistake. Even for both the US and China. We need a single global order.
2: A single global order? That would be a new world order? Is that how that works? So they're all saying the same thing. Let's go back to Klaus Schwab. He showed up at the World Government Summit and he had this to say. We do not yet know the full extent
0: and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However... We do know that global energy systems, food systems and supply chains will be deeply affected. In times of crisis, the role of governments is more important and more relevant than ever. What is also needed is a summit like this one to go beyond crisis management and to look into constructive ways we can build our common future.
2: Common future. See, there's all different ways of saying the same thing. And what he's talking about and there, we've talked about many, many times. Keep the crisis going. As long as there's a crisis going, government ha- needs to be there. They, they're going to offer the solution. They're going to be the ones that you need to lean on. And at, the more you lean on them, the more they strip away your rights, the more they become your uh, nanny and your mommy. And they love that. That's the whole idea. Again, at the World Government Summit, they said this. What do you mean, no new world order? We have not had a world order yet. What we've had is we've had a Western
1: order that was imposed on the world. It can go in two directions with the war in Ukraine now being a decisive element. Either the jungle is back, as the historian
2: Bob Kagan talks, and, and that we can go into a darker era... Um, or we could go into an era, because of the advances of science, advances of
1: technology, that could be one of the most prosperous, promising, progressive,
0: enlightened, moderate, modern eras that we've ever faced.
2: Yeah, so what is the New World Order? They're still working it out, but it's going to be great according to them. It's going to be prosperous. It's going to be amazing. For who? For who? You have to ask that question. Who is it going to be prosperous for? Who is it going to be amazing for? Because the way I see it shaping up, it's not for you and me. So how are they going to go about doing this? And we've talked about this many times. And now, again, they are discussing it out in the open. This is discussion about money. And I've talked about this digital dollar that's coming. And trust me, it's coming fast and hard.
1: I remember talking to an Australian diplomat at one point about this break between the U.S. and China and said, you know, both sides are going to say, whose team are you on? Mm. And he said, our job is to make sure the question never arises. But the question has arisen. And so I think we have to go deeper. And it's not about the U.S. versus China. It's about what underpins a world order is always the financial system. I I was very privileged. My father was an advisor to Nixon when they came off the gold standard in 71, and so I was brought up with a kind of inside view of how very important the financial structure is to absolutely everything else. And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we're on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having a almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money.
2: Yeah, well, good luck with that because that's probably not going to happen. Or if it does, it'll be so steep in legalese that by the end of it, you've basically waived all of your human rights. That is what's coming the digital dollar. What ties all of this together is digitization of your funds. And that is the big push right now. That is the one thing I, outside of them all in specific terms or in Non specific terms talking about this new world order that's coming, that they're all working towards, all three of these different summits. Digitization of the finances, moving away from any type of paper dollar, bringing it all together under a one world digital system is the key. And that brings me to September 16th, 2022. White House releases first ever comprehensive framework for responsible development of digital assets. I will also put this in the show notes. It's long. It's from President Joe Biden. And it is all about moving towards the digital dollar. It says the digital assets market has grown significantly in recent years. Millions of people globally, including 16% of adult Americans, have purchased digital assets. Digital assets present potential opportunities to reinforce U.S. leadership in the global financial system and remain at the technological front tier. But they also pose real risk as evidenced by recent events in crypto markets. The May crash of a so-called stablecoin and the subsequent wave of insolvencies wiped out over $600 billion of investor and consumer funds. And of course, their answer to this is for the government to take over and create the digital dollar. Their case is, is that we're already basically on a digital dollar because most of us use credit cards, you use a debit card, you go through Benmo or PayPal, and most people don't even operate using cash anymore. So why not centralize it all, bring it all under the umbrella of the United States government and then they will link up to this worldwide system to where all the information is shared. And that is what they are working towards. And Joe Biden specifically, well, I don't know if it's Joe Biden or not, but his, the people around Joe Biden, let's say, have put together this huge document detailing how they are rushing ahead to look into this. They want, it, they want to get it done ASAP, Go back and listen to my episodes that I've done on digital currency and how that will be weaponized and used against you and me. There's no doubt about it. All you have to do is look to China and see how that is working out. And all of this is, of course, based around technology. And I've said on this podcast before, I am not anti technology. I'm not anti-moving forward with technology and new inventions. I think it's great if it's used in a responsible way. However, it seems to all be going in one direction these days. Here is a story out of Technocracy News. Single chip can transmit twice the throughput of the entire internet. An international group of researchers from Technical University of Denmark and chalmers university of technology in sweden have achieved dizzying data transmission speeds and are the first in the world to transmit more than one petabit per second using only a single laser and a single optical chip according to this one petabyte is equal to 1000 terabytes or roughly 500 billion pages of standard print text For example, the entire Library of Congress could be transmitted 100 times in a single second. The implication for global digitization is inconceivable, according to this article. And it goes on to talk about how this is absolute dizzying speed. And so there will be no lag time. And it's only going to go up from here. So there's no lag time. When you make a purchase... Unlike today, when you're doing your online banking and you deposit a check or you move some money, it may, there may be some lag time, there may be even a day or two. It will be instantaneous and they will know immediately. And the AI will either flag it, deny it, allow it, penalize you for it, or however that's going to work out. So as you can see by those three summits, The World Government Summit, the G20, and the APEC Summit. Things are moving along at a really fast clip. And you don't think this is having real-world implications? Well, let's look into that. This is from Summit News. Headline, Canadian Bank Launches Credit Card Linked to Carbon Emissions. A bank in Canada has become the first in the country to launch a credit card that tracks a customer's carbon emissions amid concerns that such a scheme could one day be used to restrict purchases. According to Jonathan Fowley, who is the Van City Chief External Relations Officer, he says, quote, we know many Van City members are looking for ways to reduce the impact they have on the environment, particularly when it comes to the emissions that cause climate change. Quote, as a member owned a financial cooperative, we believe it is our job to do everything we can do to help, especially when it comes to the decisions people make with their money. This tool will equip Van City Visa credit card holders with valuable information on their purchases and enable them to connect their daily spending decision to the change they want to see in the world. And according to a recent poll that was carried out by Visa, more than 50% of Canadians are interested in monitoring their carbon footprint. But this isn't new. I reported on this, I think a month or so ago. In Australia, they also began linking customers' transactions to carbon footprint. The Commonwealth Bank of Australia partnered with COGO, a carbon management solutions company, to launch the new feature, which is part of CBA's online banking platform. The bank gives the customer the option to, quote, pay a fee to offset their carbon footprint. Now, if you can't see where this is going, you need to open your eyes a bit. Because right now, as they're introducing this, this is a voluntary thing, you see. If you want to, if you're worried about it, if you're concerned about it, it will not be long before they flip the switch, and it is a mandatory thing. And you... Will be penalized, or you will be rejected from buying things because you have used up all of your quote carbon footprint for the month. But they're introducing it as they always do. This is just a, it's a really nice thing that we're gonna we're gonna try out, and you know it's voluntary, no big deal. But it's not going to stay there. How are they going to achieve all of this? information share well how about this from fox news and i know a lot of people are like wow fox news they just happen to be the one reporting it tax filing websites sent facebook financial information some of the tax filing websites reportedly recently deactivated the code that sent the data according to a new report from the markup the data was shared through widely used code called the metapixel Publications said that it includes names, email addresses, filing status, refund amounts, dependents, college scholarship amounts, and information related to the user's income. Basically, your tax returns got released to Facebook. This is supposed to be personal information. This is supposed to be between you and the government. And your, if you're using a, a, an online filing institution, they're supposed to just be the go-between. But whoops, we just accidentally happened to release them all to Facebook. I wonder what Facebook would do with that information. Any suggestions? I thought this was interesting, and I think this also goes through it for connecting uh, the dots, connecting links. This is from Science and Tech. It is titled Sci Fi No More Introducing the Contact Lenses of the Future. In addition to correcting sight, researchers are working on features such as augmented reality, night vision, and the ability to zoom in and out, as well as the diagnosis and treatment of pathologies. This place called Mojo Vision is an American startup. It's currently developing an ambitious project involving augmented reality lenses that in addition to correcting your vision will let you consult all kinds of information from the trails on the ski slope to your pace when you run. All through micro LED displays the size of a grain of sand. It wouldn't have anything to do with the Internet of Bodies, would it? With the Internet of Things? They wouldn't be able to tap into that and see where you're at, what you're looking at, what you're reading, would they? Nah, of course not. I thought this was interesting in the news. I'll have to say I don't know if this is true or not. But this was reported by a Dr. Paul Alexander. says, in an interview on French TV, former presidential candidate and longtime French politician, Jean LaSalle, said that despite originally being for the vaccines, he's now changed his mind after four post-vaccine heart surgeries. He said, quote, I got the vaccine that almost killed me. It distorted my heart. I've had four surgeries since January 3rd of this year. In the interview, he explained that he got the shots because Prime Minister Macron urged everyone to do it, and he wanted to show he was being part of the solution. But later, he said, he found out that Macron and most other French ministers were not vaccinated. Now, I don't have any proof that Macron is not vaccinated. He didn't offer any proof, but... There's that. It's interesting. As we are about to, here in the United States, gather around the table for a a Thanksgiving feast, most of us, I thought we would shift our focus here to the food that is going to be on our Thanksgiving tables in the near future, should these crazy people get their way. This is brand new from The Guardian. U.S. declares lab-grown meat safe to eat in groundbreaking move. The government's approval will open the market for a food praised for being more efficient and environmentally friendly. Yes, of course, of course it is. In this article, it it talks about there are uh, 150 cultivated meat companies around the world backed by several billion dollars of investment, according to the Good Food Institute. And it goes on to talk about how, of course, it's great for the planet, reduces heating, it's delicious. And according to them, the U.S. is the first meaningful market that has approved this. This is seismic and groundbreaking. So there you go. United States letting you know that lab-grown meat is safe to eat. Reuters. Redefined meat strikes partnership to boost 3D-printed meat sales in Europe. From October 13th, Israel Group Redefined Meat has struck a partnership with Giraudi Meats to drive European distribution of its new meat steak cuts produced on 3D printers. Early hype about plant-based meat alternatives seen as better for animals and the environment has ebbed in inflation and recession worries make some consumers return to cheaper animal meat products while staffing shortages have hit fast food chains. Redefine Meat, which makes its product from ingredients including soy and pea proteins, chickpeas, beetroot, nutritional yeast, and coconut fat, has ambitious plans. According to their co-founder and chief executive, SR Ben Shitrit, he says, Our product is meat. It has the same attributes. It's just manufactured in a different way. Uh, No. It's not meat. The world's upside down. So when they're telling you it's meat and it's not, it's not meat, we're calling for a new world order, but if you notice it, you're crazy. Digital dollars, good for everybody. It's just voluntary. We're moving at lightning speed with technology that's all headed in one direction to hook you up to things that we can monitor. But don't notice any of this. If you do, you're a conspiracy theorist. I thought this was interesting. This is from September. Dutch city to ban meat ads in world first claim. The Dutch city of Harlem, I believe that's how it's spelled H-A-A-R-L-E-M, is set to become the first in the world to ban advertisement for most meat because of its impact on climate change, officials said. The city of 160,000 people near Amsterdam has agreed to outlaw ads for in intensively farmed meat on public places like buses shelters and screens from 2024 the move was approved by the city council in november but went unnoticed until last week quote it will be the first city in the netherlands and in fact europe and indeed the world to ban bad meat ads problem is they don't define what is a bad meat ad I don't have to remind you, but this is right around the same place where they are, the Dutch farmers have been protesting and they've been trying to run them out of business. So it is time to look at the world with wide open eyes. It is, in this time of Thanksgiving, I am thankful that we have been given the ability to see through this nonsense. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are embracing it. A lot of people are just wandering right into it. And a lot of people are getting duped by it. And I I think the majority of people are. And I think they are in for an incredibly rude awakening. And by the time they do awake to it, it will be too late for them. That is why it is up to us to be ever vigilant on our watch of this stuff. And to let people know, they may call you names, they may call you crazy, but the proof continues to just stack, stack, stack up, all in one direction. That is why I do this midweek podcast on these themes and topics, because it's right there. Mainstream media is not going to talk about it, they're going to say because we are talking about it. It's disinformation or misinformation or conspiracy theories or whatever. It's not. You're not crazy for noticing it. And as I close today, I'm going to recommend a book that I normally wouldn't recommend because I think it is a heinous book. It's an awful book. In fact, it's probably the blueprint for where we're at t- today in America. But I also am a proponent Of knowing what the enemy or those who are against us think so that we can be prepared for what's coming I think you should read Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals it's 13 tried and true according to him rules for radicals to create meaningful social change I'll go through a couple of them here Rule number four, make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. If the rule is that every letter gets a reply, send 30,000 letters. You can kill them with this because no one can possibly obey all their own rules. Number eight, keep the pressure on, never let up. Keep trying new things to keep the opposition off balance. As the opposition masters one approach, hit them from the flank with something new. Number 11, if you push a negative hard enough, it will push through and become a positive. Violence from the other side can win the public to your side because the public sympathizes with the underdog. And number 13, pick the target. Freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Cut off the support network and isolate the target from sympathy. Go after people and not institutions. People hurt faster than institutions. And he goes this book, he goes into deep detail of his philosophies of all these rules. Now, Saul Alinsky, when he first put this book out, Dedicated it to Satan If you buy a copy now It does not have that there But at the original copies He dedicated this book to Satan And at one point he said Glowingly that he would organize hell that He'd be able to organize hell He was a professor And he influenced A lot of people A lot of people who are in politics right now Saul Alinsky It's spelled A L. I-N-S-K-Y-S, Saul Alinsky's 13 Tried and True Rules for Creating Meaningful Social Change. The book is titled Rules for Radicals. And I will leave you with this, his rule number five, which is something I think we all are experiencing. I think we're going to experience it more. The more we push back, the more we refuse to conform, the more we share what's going on, Number five says, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. It's irrational. It's infuriating. It also works as a key pressure point to force the enemy into concessions. Well, I'll tell you this, Mr. Alinsky. Ridicule has never bothered me. I don't care. And I will never conform to this system that they are setting up. And I hope you won't either. I appreciate your time today. I hope you in America have or had a wonderful Thanksgiving, depending on when you listen to this. Brandon and I will be back on Sunday. My name is Big D, and you've been listening to Down the Rabbit Hole. I'm out of here.